Welcome to episode 16 of Stick to Football. I'm your host, Connor Rogers. Joining me is Marshall Miller. We got Matt in Alaska this week. Marshall, uh, it's good to have, you know, <laughs> it's good a little change of pace here. Your brother out, you're in. How you feeling, man? Yeah, it's that natural, you know, keeping in the family replacement. I've been on with you That's guys right. over the summer, so it'll be good. I think we got a good show lined up. That's right. I was going to say, the chemistry's still here. Marshall's been with us almost every week. We miss Matt dearly, but he will be back next week. Don't worry about that. We have a loaded show for you today. We're going to do a couple draft-on-draft questions to open things up. We're going to preview the AFC East. We're going to preview the NFC East, which might be one of the best divisions from a competitive standpoint in football this year. We'll close it out with some more draft-on-draft and iTunes questions. And, of course, Marshall's got some embarrassing Matt stories for you while he's away. Exactly. we got to get those stories in while Matt's out. So we'll give him something to listen to when he heads back after his cruise and maybe surprise him with a few things. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So, I, you know, I want to start it off. This guy's been sending us a ton of good questions, so we'll start it off with him. Austin Siebert says, if you had to place a $1 million bet on who makes a Pro Bowl first from the 2017 draft class, counting only the round one players, who are you betting on? Marshall, I'm going to toss that one to you first to start us off here. You know, the guy that stands out to me, there's a lot of talent in round one that came off that draft class, but I loved O.J. Howard. I love the situation that he fell into with Tampa. I think Jameis is going to target him early. A lot of guys are focusing on what they have outside with the guys like Deshaun Jackson and, you know, their other big receivers. But I think O.J. Howard's going to get a lot of attention. Maybe not this year, but definitely I think he's going to be one of the first guys to make that Pro Bowl. Yeah, I would say O.J. Howard would be my top pick, too. Also, because when you look at just the, the tight end, the level of tight end play in the NFL, he's a guy that could be top five talent this year just based off talent alone. So it, it's easy to see him definitely sinking into that Pro Bowl conversation early in his career in this group. I think two other two other sleepers for me, or I don't want to say sleepers, but guys that could definitely answer this question. I think Deshaun Watson is going to start right away for the Houston Texans, and I think he's going to find success working under Bill O'Brien. You know, quarterbacks of the Pro Bowl, we see a lot of guys either pull out or guys are hurt, so we get a lot of we could get a lot of them this year. Wouldn't be surprise me if Watson does have you know find success in Houston. And I think the other one is Leonard Fournette, just because he's going to get so much work in Jacksonville this year with their awful quarterback situation. I think Fournette's going to have a big year in the red zone. I don't know how his yards per carry will look with that line, with that lack of a passing attack, but. That is, you know, a really interesting scenario for him there in Jacksonville. The next question, this one from Hunter Neal, another guy that sends us great questions week after week. Who are y'all's early favorites to win the Super Bowl? Mine is the Raiders. I hate to give such an obvious answer here, but it's really, really tough to pick against New England. The last time I talked to an NFL executive, without me even bringing it up to me, he looked at me in mid-conversation and said, by the way, how fucking good are they going to be this year talking about New England? So, it's just impossible to not place your money on them, oh, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if I'm betting, if it's my money that I have to put up, it's got to go to New England. I don't think anybody can stop them. I mean, who knows if Tom Brady's still going to go on that terror because he's just pissed off at Goodell. He's going to just tear up the whole league, and they're going to win it all. They might go undefeated this year. And, you know, I'm not one to overreact to practice clips, but when I saw that clip of Brandon Cooks leaving a defensive back 10 yards behind him in New England training camp— I thought of it in two ways. One, god damn, we knew Brandon Cooks is fast and we forgot he was even there. But really, 
how much space are guys like Gronk and Edelman uh, and you know Malcolm Mitchell and these guys are going to be running free under there from New England for Brady to work with with an overfield target like over the top target like Cooks coming in there this year. That offense might be terrifying this year. It's, it's going to be like when they had Randy Moss there, just taking the yes. top off the defense, letting these other guys work underneath. I mean, it's going to be scary. And they're running backs. I mean, all of them can catch the ball out of the flat. They've got so much depth that receiver. I mean, it's it's scary. Another team that I like, though, I mean, obviously the Cowboys are going to be good. You always have to watch out for um, the Packers. We'll also see, what about the Seahawks? I mean, that's a team that I still think is in it. They still have that fight, that hunger to want to win the Super Bowl. So I'm eager to see what they can do. I think they'll have a pretty easy go of it in the NFC West. We'll see what they can do in the playoffs. I still like that team. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. They have a veteran core on defense. Russ Wilson can can get you to the Super Bowl, it almost seems like, on his own sometimes. It's the plays he makes on his own. I think one more to throw out there are the New York Giants. I mean, they have a very good defense, fully intact, returning outside of Hankins. Uh, I think drafting Dalvin Tomlinson really helps shore up the middle of that defensive line when you lose Hankins. I think when you look at the offense with Brandon Marshall, with Evan Ingram added into the mix, when you already have Odell Beckham, I think Paul Perkins can surprise some people. If that pass protection can figure it out and Eli Manning can kind of slow down what we've seen a decline from him, there's no reason the Giants can't sneak through the NFC this year. But, we'll, you know, we'll keep it moving. This one, another one from another one of our favorite listeners, George Hillard. Marshall, I actually am really curious to hear your thoughts on this question because you have argued that, that you know, the NFL is starting to change. He says, quarterback, left tackle, corner, and edge pass rusher seem to be the consensus most important position. What are your all's top four most important positions? I think definitely you have to start with the offense. Obviously, quarterback is very important and left tackle. Um, the Where it gets a little bit tricky for me is on defense. I don't value the corner and the outside pass rusher quite as much. I like to have some safeties that can do it all. They can come down, they can thump. They can play cover three, you know, like an Earl Thomas and also middle linebacker. I think it's very important to have that middle linebacker there, too, especially since, you know, I'm a big fan of the power run game coming back. And if we're going to have those guys come back, linebacker is going to become a very important position again in the middle. Yeah, we're seeing linebacker become a little more of a priority as, you know, not necessarily in draft because a lot of the guys do slide in the draft, but you want guys that could do it all. You want guys that can cover, maybe even blitz a little bit, obviously stop the run and diagnose things pre-snap. I think for me, it obviously starts at quarterback. I would say second for me is edge rusher. When you look at the way Von Miller changed that Broncos defense, now he had a lot of help. He had good players around him in that defense, no doubt about it. I think if you can get after the quarterback off the edge, completely disrupts their game. It forces them up into the pocket, into the teeth of the defense, and really limits things they could do. At the end of the day, you can't argue against quarterback being the most important. This next one from Shank. This is our last one before we preview the AFC East. Which teams do you think are dark horse contenders for the college football playoff? I, man, I have one in mind. I, I won't give it away yet. I, I think I, this is really dark horse because, man, they are in such a tough situation. And there's a little homerism in me here, but I think... Florida, now I'm not a Florida fan, but because of the transfer of Malik Zaire, that defense is good year after year. I'm not worried about that defense. I think Zaire is a winning player and will really find some stability for that offense. It wouldn't shock me if Florida has a really good year with him. I like that pick, actually. That's a team that I didn't really think about, but Florida always tough on defense. They just struggle on offense. And if Zaire can come in and help move the football even just a little bit, I mean, Florida does have a good team. For me, it was Washington. 
I think they returned so many good players. I know they lost John Ross, but I mean, they still have the big left tackle. Their quarterback's really good. They've got a lot going for them. We'll, they'll get tested in the Pac-12, but I think that's a team that could go under the radar, kind of. I know they're kind of a popular pick, but I think they could really get in there in that top four, maybe do some work in the playoff. Yeah, and listen, uh, you know they have they have skilled players on offense returning. Like you said, Jake Browning at quarterback is a guy that can definitely take care of the ball and you know, obviously remove the offense on defense. Listen, they lost a lot of players in the secondary, but they got players returning up front and they still have good players in that secondary. So I like the pick of Washington. I like what they could do in the Pac-12. That's never too steady of a conference, I think. So it'd be really interesting with them. All right. I want to start it off with our AFC East preview because we already started talking about the Patriots a little bit. And, you know, and like I said, somebody has literally, you know, somebody I trust has said to me, how fucking good are they going to be this year? in terms of just in comparison to recent years where they've won Super Bowls. They might be even better. Marshall, what is your overall thoughts on this division? Is it another runaway train for New England yet again? Uh, Connor, I know you're a Jets fan, but man, I think this thing is just a runaway. I mean, the Patriots smoked everyone. I think the only team that is going to give them a run for their money is Miami. And that's just because I like Adam Gase so much, and I like what they did on the defensive side of the ball. I I think Raekwon McMillan could have a defensive rookie of the year caliber season in the situation he's in. I like Charles Harris. Cameron Wake, Dominican Sue. The front seven's great. I'm a little worried about the secondary, and if you want to beat New England, you better have a good secondary. Yeah, yeah, you got to have a strong secondary, especially with how we talked about how Cooks is just going to blow past these guys. You got to get some pass rush, and Miami, they do have the guys to do it with Sue, with Wake. You know, they added some linebackers. They brought in Lawrence Timmons, so there's some good veteran leadership on that team, too. And then looking at, I, I don't want to call it the basement of the division, but it really is. I, like we said, I think New England's going to run away with it. I think Miami's going to have a good team this year. I think Miami can definitely find their way into the postseason. Don't expect them to really challenge New England for the division just yet. But when you look at the Jets and the Bills, and more so the Jets in terms of being in the basement, this is a really good question we got sent to us here from Colin Hart. Do you guys buy the hype around Christian Hackenberg's practice reports? How well does he have to play to stop the Jets from taking a quarterback? Man, he would have to be lights out. I don't know if I'm buying into the hype. It seems like everybody's quarterback looks good right now, especially if you're a young guy. I mean, everybody's going to sell, oh, he's really good. He looks great. This is his best camp so far. I'm sure he's in the best shape of his life, too, because everybody's always in the best shape. <laughs> right. They look great. Besides Calvin Benjamin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 290-pound Calvin Benjamin. Good Lord, man. You know, when looking at this Jets team that I've been closely around, just growing up as a fan, rooting for them, obviously following them, Listen, I can tell you this. Christian Hackenberg has improved. There's no doubt about that. Mechanically, he looks like a better player. I think he's going to be more accurate this year. There was really only one way for him to go, and that was up. I I don't want to say I'm fully buying into the practice reports, but I can tell you he looks like a lot better, improved player. Now, how old does he have to play to stop the Jets taking a quarterback? I mean, like you said, Marshall, it's got to be lights out if this is a team that picks top five, and you got one of Darnold, Rosen, Josh Allen, sitting right there and uh, you can't you're only in that opportunity so much which is why I argued so heavily that the Jaguars should have took Watson instead of Fournette who knows when they'll be back in that opportunity especially with all the quarterback needy teams you know that are going to teams that are going to need quarterbacks soon like you've mentioned so many times and a team that might need one sooner they it was kind of a band-aid deal is our next team with the Buffalo Bills 
Yeah, I mean, you can look at the Bills' depth chart. You can look at the Jets' depth chart. Outside of a couple playmakers, like, you know, LaShawn McCoy, there's not much better than what the Jets have. I mean, there's some big names, guys like Sammy Watson, but he hasn't really shown much production, really. He's just, I mean, he's a big healthy. Yeah. Tyrod Taylor, I think you know what he is as your quarterback. I mean, he's not going to do much for you. He might not hurt you, but he's not going to do much. And same story on the defense. I mean, they've got some good name guys, but they're just not really putting it together. Nothing about it scares me. I, I agree. I think when you look at the defense, it could scare you a little bit because they're so young at key positions. When you're talking about Trey White and, and Ronald Darby starting at corner, those guys can be really good down the stretch. I think Darby's flashed. I think White was a nice player coming out of LSU. I liked him a little more in the slot than as a true outside corner. But this is a young defense with a lot to prove. Like Shaq Lawson, obviously, Reggie Ragland coming back. It, there's a lot to prove there. I do think they'll be better than the Jets, but I don't think they'll be a very good team this year. I'm curious to see how they handle the situation with Tyrod, who's in his own right, he's overachieved. He's done way more than anyone ever expected. But at some point, I do think the Bills say, you know, because they're not tied to this deal very long, they might want a guy to develop for the future, especially if they're picking very high. I think so, too. I mean, they took Peterman... But if they're another team, if they're getting up there in the higher end of the draft next year and they can pull the trigger on one of those quarterbacks, I think they have to do it, just like the Jets. And I don't think Tyrod Taylor can play well enough for them to not say, yeah, we're going to go get a quarterback. Yeah, I agree. And when you have a new coach coming in there, and listen, they figured out a way to keep him this year. There definitely would have been interest for him on the market. There's no doubt about that. He would have got paid probably even bigger money or longer terms. But... At the end of the day, the the new coach and just a new regime might say, hey, we want our guy going forward. We don't want to, you know, live or die by however Tyrod Taylor plays. Yeah, they're not tied to him at all. Yeah, yeah, and they got an offense. They got some pieces on this offensive line. I'll say that if a young quarterback comes in here and maybe Sammy Watkins turns around, maybe Zay Jones shows you he could be a number two. You know, I think McCoy has a couple good years left. They got young pieces on the offensive line, whether it's John Miller, who's been really solid at guard. Incognito's turned his career around there. Cordy Glenn and Deion Dawkins at tackles. I think they have pieces, but at the end of the day, the foundation isn't fully set in Buffalo, and I think it could look a lot different after another offseason. Yeah, I like that take. After another offseason, they might start to get some pieces in there to put it together. So just to run it down, we have the Patriots running away with this division. Uh... I think the Dolphins could sneak into a playoff spot. How, how do you feel, Marshall? I do too, because I mean, right here, they could take four games, two from the Jets, two from the Bills, yep, and exactly. put themselves in a good position to win. Yeah, and they'll play New England tough. I feel like they always do, no matter who's coaching, no matter who's playing quarterback. And I think right now, you know, with Gase, it's it's better than it's been in quite some time. I do think the Jets are the basement of the dis- this division, which is okay for them. Listen, this is a team that's young. They need to build from scratch. They need to get a really high pick. You hope to see flash. You hope to continue to see flashes from Hackenberg heading into the preseason. And I think the Bills will be a couple games ahead of them. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to preview the NFC East, which I promise you will be a much better division than the AFC East. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Stick to Football. We are already on episode 16. I am joined by Marshall Miller. Reminder that Matt is in Alaska this week. He's very far away, but you know we're going to keep it rolling here. We're going to start 
with the NFC East preview for the second half of the show. I think this will be the most competitive division in football, or at least one of the most competitive division. Marshall, do the Cowboys repeat taking this division? I think they do. I mean, unlike the AFC East, these everybody in the NFC is going to challenge the Cowboys. I think it's their division to win, but they've got some stiff competition. The Giants look good this year. I mean, you sold us on. They could be a Super Bowl contender. The Redskins made some good moves. You got another year of Cousins. And the Eagles, who knows what Wentz can do. But for the Cowboys, these guys are just loaded at every position. They go in. They do some solid work in the draft. You get another year of development with Dak Prescott. He's a guy who didn't come in last year knowing he was going to start. That was Tony Romo's team. Well, now it's Dak's team. So another year, a full offseason to get comfortable in his role. He could really take off much like Russell Wilson did. What is What would be one X factor that can make the Cowboys season, and what's one X factor that could break it? Uh, I think just is Zeke going to be on the field. It seems like yep. the NFL keeps putting off his hearings, and they want him on the field. But if this guy keeps getting in trouble – or if you know they try to run him into the ground and he does get hurt, that's a big drop-off going from Zeke to Darren McFadden. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think that's, that's what it comes down to. And I think another thing that's kind of gone under the radar, because he was so good last year, is will we see a sophomore slump from Dak Prescott? Our coach is going to see things on tape, defensive coordinators, that they can adjust to and, and frustrate him a little bit more. And I think the answer is yes, and that's understandable. That's life in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he might have a drop-off, and defenses are definitely, I mean, they got the full year of film on him now. So he might have a drop-off, but this team, I think, can still be just as successful. And looking across at a team that did have success against them last year, and this is my pick to win the NFC East, is the New York Giants. I I think when you look at the Giants, there's a consistency there that is going to put them over the top in this division. I I think unlike the Cowboys, they don't have that run game that instills fear into you. But I think this passing attack with, like we said, adding Brandon Marshall, adding Evan Ingram, you have Sterling Shepard, you have Odell Beckham, who I do think is the best wide receiver in football, right side-by-side with Julio Jones. I just love that this defense, though, is intact and returning, and they're physical and aggressive, and I think they showed that they match up perfectly against Dallas last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've got the big guys that really stepped up to play, guys like Landon Collins. I mean, he took off last year. Eli Apple's going to have another good year. Janoris Jenkins played like one of the best corners in the whole league last year. So they they can definitely challenge the Cowboys de- with their defense. But they also have two huge playmakers in Odell Beckham and Brandon Marshall. Yeah, and I think when you look at the Giants, it just comes down to can they form enough of a run game that this passing tack becomes as special as we think it could be. I was a big Paul Perkins fan coming out of UCLA. I- I'm not going to say he's a guy that's going to take the t- take the rock 25, 30 times a game, but I think he's elusive in space. I think he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he can be that the first and second down backs. Obviously, work in on third. Shane Vereen is going to be the third down guy, and you're going to see the rookie Wayne Gallman out of Clemson, who- who's got some nasty to his game. He's going to find a way in that rotation, too. That's a guy that I was going to bring up. I like Perkins a lot, too. He's kind of a do-it-all back. But Wayne Gallman, he kind of went under the radar. If he gets some touches early, I mean, he's a good back that could come in third down, second down, give these guys some fresh legs. They've got depth there, especially with Shane Vereen, too, who obviously is going to be their third down back. Yeah, and, and the thing is with the Giants, it scares you because it can all go 
it can all go to shit quick if if Eli's not given enough time because Eric Flowers is struggling or and Eli's decline continues. But I'm betting against it. I think this is going to be a really good football team this year. Now, the best part of it is I think both the Cowboys and the Giants are are definitely making the playoffs this year. I think they're just too good to not make the playoffs. Now, another team, this team I think has been the most underrated team this offseason, and that's the Washington Redskins. When you look at all the drama that's surrounded them, it's almost put a, a dark cloud over actually how good their team is. Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that they brought in Terrell Pryor. I think he could be a really good receiver. I mean, he's still learning the position. And last year with the Browns, he didn't have anybody that could get him the ball. Now he's got a great quarterback throwing to him. Jamison Crowder, Josh Dotson, opposite of him. He could really do something special this year. And, I mean, Jordan Reed at tight end. They've got a lot of playmakers. They're going to have to rely on some young running backs. But they've got playmakers all over the offense. Yeah, it, the big thing here is it, can Samashi P. Ryan step in and be, you know, that workhorse back that they're looking for. They're looking for consistency in the backfield. Now, I mean, you've seen plenty of Pirine coming out of Oklahoma to know that the answer is probably yes, but can he stay healthy is probably the biggest question. Yeah, I know he's a big back, so people kind of expect him that, oh, he can take all these carries, but, I mean, can he do it without getting fatigued? But, if, yep. I mean, all he really needs 15 carries a game in this offense spread the ball around a little bit. They've got some other guys like Matt Jones that they can give the ball to. He could definitely win that job and be special for this team. And he doesn't have to do that much to be effective. So do you think they upgraded or downgraded at receiver when you swap out Pierre Garcon and Deshaun Jackson and add in Terrell Pryor and Josh Doxson? I think it's kind of a push. I mean, they're just a different set of receivers with about the same ability. Yeah. A lot of upside with Terrell Pryor, though. I mean, you knew what you were getting out of Deshaun Jackson. Terrell Pryor could go off. Yeah, this team, and this isn't really necessarily always Cousins style, but it definitely can be. This team kind of screams big play on offense. We've seen Crowder work the intermediate game. We've seen him really kill it out of the slot. But with Jordan Reed up the seam, even Niles Paul and Vernon Davis have helped at times, but Terrell Pryor over the top. Yeah, Doxson as a red zone threat. This offense screams big play. I think the big question is, are we going to see consistency out of the defense? And what kind of instant impact can Jonathan Allen have? Seems to be the forgotten man of this draft class, you know, stepping into that defensive line. Yeah, the fact that they Jonathan Allen, one of the best players in the draft, fell to them. He's going to step in and just play great. I mean, he's got guys like Ryan Kerrigan that are going to help keep the pressure off of him. Some pretty solid guys up front. They kind of redid their defensive line, starting with Josh Allen, and I think it'll pay big dividends for him, especially when you're going up against teams like the Giants and the Cowboys. Yeah, I think this is a really good group. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. I wouldn't put it past Washington to make this division way more interesting than we even expected, which is saying a lot. Now, the team that I see in last place, and Eagles fans, they do, will not take kindly to this, but it's not a matter of that the Eagles are bad. It's a matter of the division they're in, and I I don't know how great Wentz will be in his second year. I guess my expectations are low, but this question from Matt Peters, what do you consider a successful season for Carson Wentz this year? The Eagles cornerbacks worry me the most. Wentz is going to have his work cut out for him. I mean, they they tried to help him out. They go out and get guys like Torrey Smith, Alshon Jeffrey, which is great. But we really saw him fall off last year from just the first half to the second half. 
in order for him to have a successful season, I'm looking for him to have about 20 touchdowns and really limit that number of interceptions, maybe down to 10. I think I could call that a successful year for him. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he starts out because it's not easy. He's got, he, they're at Washington and at Kansas City to open up the year. And then they play the Giants at home. And we just talked about how good that defense is. Yeah, all three of those secondaries right there are top in the league. It's, it's going to be really tough. Uh, listen, it's going to be a really interesting year for Wentz. I think that he doesn't have to have this tremendous year for you to sit back and say, you know, oh, he is the franchise, the future of the franchise. But you would like to see baby steps. They went out and got him help on the offensive side of the ball. I do, th- I do agree uh, with Matt Peters that sent in that, that qu- question and thoughts. I think the Eagles at cornerback, it's a little scary right now. And, and the simple thing is they – Rolled the dice on Sidney Jones, who is my favorite corner in this class, but it's the bottom line is he's just a player that's not going to be ready for this year. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to wait for him. Uh, another thing that worries me is you're putting a lot of pressure on LeGarrette Blunt to come in and be your guy at running back. They cut Ryan Matthews. I don't know how much he has left in the tank, but if I'm a young quarterback, I really want that strong running back that can take the rock 20-25 a game and take the pressure off me, much like we saw the Jaguars do. I don't know if Garrett yeah. Blunt's that guy. Yeah, that's the question. Is he the guy to do that? So uh, would you say this is the most competitive division in football? Yeah, just looking at it from top to bottom. I mean, I thought the Eagles were a pretty solid team. I think they're going to really struggle to win games, though, just because everybody else is so good. The Giants yep, and the Cowboys agree. are Super Bowl contenders. The Redskins had a very good offseason. And then you have the Eagles, who did do some good things. They still have a second-year quarterback that really kind of struggled in his first. Yeah, I, I think it's the NFC East and, and maybe the NFC South with how good the Bucks have gotten. I think the Saints might still right, be right there. I think the Panthers will bounce back, and you have the you know, uh, Super Bowl, not winning, but Super Bowl-appearing <laughs> Falcons in yeah. that division, too. So it's this is a fascinating division. I think when it stacks up, obviously me and Marshall disagree on who's going to win it. I think we pretty much have the same stance, though, on... Overall, the talent level in this division, the way it stacks up, like I said, I'm not taking a shot at the Eagles by saying they're going to be in last place. It's just, it's a tough predicament, and they're one of the young teams that they're really trying to build for the future. They went out and got their quarterback help. You want to see baby steps from him. You saw him start off really good last year, and then he kind of bottomed out. So you'd like to see him bounce back, and it's not going to be easy, but at the end of the day, you're just looking for progress from them. Um, Listen, that's... I think that wraps it up for our division previews for this week. We're going to get into, obviously, the AFC and NFC North next week, but we have plenty of questions for you from you guys that we want to get into. We had plenty on iTunes that was really interesting. Last week, we asked you to tell us your scariest sports moment, and you guys got back to us and told us a bunch of good ones, so we'll read those. I'll read your questions. This first one from Anthony Mongo Scariest moment was getting crack blocked on kickoff team. That's got to be a nightmare. He said, you try to keep your head in a swivel, but it's hard to stop. Of course. Yeah, you can't see that coming. Then he goes, what's more likely to happen? Bama goes undefeated or the Patriots lose two games or less all season. That is really good. Ah, man. What's more likely? I think it's more likely the Patriots lose two games or less. That's tough to say I think, that, though, I think they'll it? lose I think they'll lose two. I think they could lose two. I mean we talked about the Dolphins. They might be able to sneak one out. 
Uh, you know, they got to play the Chiefs, so we'll see how that goes. I'm going to go with that, too. I think it's more likely that the Patriots lose two games. Alabama's still Alabama. I hope they don't They're go so loaded. undefeated. But. Yeah, it's hilarious. Every week we go through these these previews of position groups of prospects, and every week there's Alabama players in every single position group. I think if you took Alabama's depth chart, and you took all their number ones and then all their number two, their number two team is probably still a top 25 or top yes. 15 college football team. I mean, God, they have so a, much depth there. They have five stars backing up a ton of positions, which is absurd when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, they we recruit, were just, yeah. They were we guys you think track. are going to play immediately. Yes. But they're blocked right. because, oh, you're behind three other five star recruits that are just amazing. That's why it amazes me that they continue to just bring in this top talent year after year when I guess the players buy in that they are going to play right away, even though most of the time they don't. We were just having a conversation in the office today about the running back situation. You know, who's get, you know who's going to get the bulk of touches? You have Bo Scarborough. You have Damian Harris. They just got Najee Harris this year, too. Yeah, and oh, it's Jacobs. I mean, he saw a lot of the carries last year, too. I mean, yep. they've got five deep at running back. And we don't even know who's going to start a quarterback for them, either, between Hurts and Tua. Right, yeah. So it's hard to take that job away from Hurts, but you like the potential of Tua. Just to put it in perspective to answer your question, how good Alabama is going to be again and how good they're going to be for a very long time. So, all right, this next one does not have a scary sports moment, but does have a question. Who's your one dark horse for the playoffs from the major conferences, bottom half of the preseason conference standings? I think that's a that's a little specific, and I think we got into it a little earlier with that question. I said Florida, you know, only because of the Malik Zaire transfer, and I think their defense will always be good. And you and you said Washington, right? Yeah, I went with Washington for the. All right, this next one from Mister Cooley, scariest sports moment. The scariest moment I've had while playing sports was catching a guy who throws ninety five and still hadn't really figured out how to throw strikes consistently. That's always terrifying when you get to that age and kids really start to, I mean, rip it. And the bottom line is, control is just not really a thing until you probably get to high school. So he said, luckily he's figured out and is pitching at Texas this year. There you go, hook him right. <laughs> I'll tell you, oh, one, of the, one of the scariest things I saw, I saw a video online this week, and it was Kenny Lofton, old batting guy, in the left-hand batting box, and he was facing Randy Johnson. And Randy Johnson threw that dude a slider, and Kenny Lofton took off out of the box. And it was a strike. <laughs> That's how good that slider was. And that, I thought of that like immediately. Like, if I had to face that slider, I don't know what I would do. There's no way I could stay in the box. It's ridiculous. I think the guy that throws the hardest slider now, or at least has over the last year, unfortunately has been hurt this year, has been Syndergaard, has touched about 93 on the slider. And guys do move a little bit each time. And when you can throw a slider like that, it's it's nearly unfair. It's just a matter of if you can control it. And there's just not many guys in the history of, of life that can control a slider that fast. Baseball but, uh, players' reaction time is underrated. Because those it's, guys get out I, It's the quick. hardest thing. The thing is, you could either hit a breaking ball or you can't. It, it's just as simple as that with baseball. And it's nearly impossible for so many people. But they get huge money, and guess what? They're the only guys in the world that could do that. So power to them. This next one from Ace underscore 13 Smith. Andrew Luck, or I like his opening, though, by the way, needs to be a two-hour pod. Don't worry, Ace. We're going to work on trying to get you two episodes a week when the season gets started. But Andrew Luck or Derek Carr? Now and for the next five years. Now, see, that's something that Matt and I have been talking about a little bit off air, too, and I'm sure you guys have. This whole Andrew Luck not throwing 
That that concerns it's, me. Like it's terrifying. Lot. And I know Andrew Luck is the hot prospect. I mean, he's everything you could want out of a quarterback, but we haven't seen much production out of Luck. So if I have to take a guy right now, I'm going to take Carr over Luck. See, the shoulder terrifies me. I would say I'd answer this question Luck every time off of physical ability and talent. But the shoulder's terrifying, and actually, it, it, I guess it kind of makes me laugh. It's also sad, but one of the things sent to us on Draft on Draft this week was just lines and lines over and over again, luck shoulder, luck shoulder, luck shoulder, luck shoulder. So, And this is from Colts Nation Brazil. So in Brazil, they are concerned about Andrew Luck's shoulder, and you should be. Oh, yeah. If you don't have I, Andrew Luck, you might be picking in the top five this year. I, yeah, I remember when I, before I started touting Rosen as my top quarterback, all summer I made sure like hey is he throwing yet and shoulder injuries are just so terrifying in so many different ways we've seen it end careers we've seen it damage careers so it's scary and that that's a really interesting question because you have a guy in car who's flourished in such a great situation and made people around him better and you have a guy in luck who's been in such an awful situation and has somehow led that team to victories plenty of times and it, I think physically talent, I'm taking luck, but God, there's a lot of different caveats there that are terrifying. I mean, physically, yeah, luck is, yep. I don't know if you take anybody over luck except for maybe Aaron Rodgers, physically. I mean, just what the guy can do, he does it all. They do have to get some help around him, though, because Carr definitely has some better receivers, better offensive line than luck has ever had. And listen, luck has great intangibles, but I would say Carr has some of the best intangibles in all football. Yeah, agreed. So we had another good one from Ace underscore 13 Smith. He said, if Peyton Manning had landed with the Patriots instead of Tom Brady, would he have had the same success? Gosh, that's tough to say. I mean, Tom Brady is a goat and I'm not a Tom right. Brady like fan, but that guy just knows how to get it done. He's a winner. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Manning wins as many Super Bowls. Yeah. It's interesting. I think Manning and Brady have been the, and maybe there's more, but they're the only two I could ever think of in the league history that have been quarterbacks that are technically also the offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah. They have full control over what they want to do. I mean, we saw it with Manning for sure, but Brady has that same control. He can do whatever he wants. It's interesting with them. I think they're two of the most special players of all time in the NFL. I would say Brady I, I would say Brady has been more clutch. And listen, it's it's tough to get into all the specifics. I think Belichick the Patriots are the perfect recipe. They are. And, yeah. and if you take out an ingredient Yes, it, it damages things, but at the end of the day, it doesn't. It shouldn't take away from Brady what he's done in his own right, without a doubt. All right, uh, this is a good one from Joe Shaw, another draft on draft. Do you think that the Browns should start Kaiser week one and see what they have in him with the strong 2018 quarterback class ahead? I mean, it's not a bad idea. See what you have. You took this guy in the second round, I believe. See what you have. Just kind of like the Jets. I mean, throw this guy out there yeah. like Hackenberg. See if he is going to lead you, and or do you need to pull the trigger next year and see what you got? Yeah, I'm not entirely opposed against it. I will be the first to say I don't think Kaiser's anywhere near ready. I love his physical ability. I don't think he's ready to start. But to Joe's point and Marshall's point, the clock is ticking. The 2018 quarterback class is very good, and I know we say this every single year, but we've talked about it, on all three of us, me, Matt, and Marshall, have talked about it to you all summer, and we all have different top guys. Marshall has Darnold. I have Rosen. Matt has Allen. Those guys all might go in the top five. That's how good this quarterback class is. And there might not be somebody that was right. It might just be that all three ended up being really good. That's how talented this quarterback class is. So 
do you want a situation, you know, look at the Panthers, for instance, when they went into the draft and took Cam Newton number one overall. They just spent a second round pick on Jimmy Clausen not too long ago before that. Yeah. Now, did they, they made the right decision. So, and they, I don't know if they fully knew what they had in Clausen yet. Teams get a good idea in practice. They get a lot more than what we all see. And I know I've said it before about this upcoming draft class, but look at that 04 class. I mean, we can yep. put those guys all three up against each other. I think you can make a valid argument that each one is the best quarterback. They are all just great quarterbacks. So I don't think you're going to miss. I mean, pick whichever quarterback you like the best. I think they're all three going to be very special. Yeah, it almost becomes preference over a matter of being right or wrong or seeing the right or wrong things. I think when it comes down to it, you know, Matt really likes the physical ability of Allen. He's 6'5", he's 240. He can run. He can make any throw. I think Matt likes the idea that there's just only so many guys built physically, and Matt also liked Mahomes. And it goes back to there's only so many guys that could do the things they can do in this world. And I think, obviously, you with Darnold, you talked about intangibles. I mean, I'll let you go ahead. You've talked about a million different things with Darnold and why you like Yeah, him. I mean, he's. I think he's the most complete prospect. He does have some stuff to work on, but he also shows that he wants to work on it. He's always asking the questions in the camp. Talk to anybody at any of these camps that he's gone to. I mean, he is learning just as much as the guys that he's trying to coach. He's always in there. He's working on things. He's got that fourth quarter gene that just leads people and leads teams. He's that natural leader, and he gets the job done. But I also, I love your boy Rosen. I think he is just one of the most amazing quarterbacks I've ever seen. Off the field kind of worries me, but on the field, there's no question that he's amazing. Yeah, he's a different guy, but when you see natural arm talent, and I I think that one throw, and I always forget who it was against that he hit in the corner of the end zone, when he was basically, the pocket had completely closed, and I think his feet had even been tied up. When you see a guy's feet completely tied up and just to torque his body the way he did, and I hate that people always do this, but I'm about to do it. It's Aaron Rodgers type stuff that you say, how many people in the world can do that? And that's the beginning of the making of a special quarterback prospect. And I think with Rosen, we saw things his freshman year that you don't see out of many true freshmen. I think Marshall's right. The off the field has to be answered. How much does this guy love football? How much is he a natural leader? Do his teammates love him? I know his coaches love him. I I can tell you that right now. His coaching staff absolutely loves him. No matter what anonymous quotes you hear, listen, he's coachable. He's smart. He's driven. And I think Darnold is the most coachable and driven out of all of them i think out we've had alan on the podcast he's awesome i think he's he's the type of guy that's fired up to go into iowa with very little help around him to open the season and hopefully get a win for wyoming i think these three are going to be so interesting and i do think that the browns are going to be one of the front runners to land one of them to answer the question and you know i don't think rosen's off field is going to be a big enough concern for him to fall out of the top 10 neither do i teams might say oh we don't really like that about him but they're going to pop that tape in and they're going to see what he can do on the field and somebody's going to pull the trigger on him no matter what he does outside of football. All right, we got one more left and then we want to tell everyone Marshall's, Marshall promised us some good embarrassing Matt stories. That's what Matt gets for going on vacation, so we're going to bring them to you. Again. But this last one from Jer Schmidt, if Sims, Lefko, and Nelson were an alcoholic beverage, what would they be? That is a really fascinating question. I could tell you Lefko's, not only is Lefko a tequila guy, but he, he tequila fits him perfectly because, you know, <laughs> he's just crazy. He's, he, I don't even want to use the word goofy. It's more than that. He's just wild. I think uh, tequila matches him perfectly. Nelson is like 
if you've ever been around Steven Nelson for more than an hour, he's, I think red wine is like the, he's so chill. He's just like a smooth glass of wine kind of guy. I, I like those picks. I've only been around yeah. these guys, you know, just a handful of times, but that's very fitting from what I've seen so far. From Sims's Texas career, what would you say he is? I was going to go Lone Star for Sims. Uh, yes, that's so good. Oh, my God. And then that for, for Lefko, I was going to go for Loco because that dude is just full that's perfect. That's I. It's so funny you say that. I was trying to think of what the ridiculous said. I mean, when I was in college, they were all the rage. God, worst blackout you'll, you'll ever, ever have. And the worst hangover. A hangover that feels more like you're actually about to be put in the coffin rather than hungover. Oh, but, yeah, you just can't move. You can't move. It just takes out every ounce of your body. Your whole body is sore. It's like the worst case of the flu that you've ever had. Yes, that's exactly it. Oh, my God. It's put me on the shelf for so long before. But, all right, Marshall, you promised us some good Matt stories. I know Matt's going to listen to this and enjoy it, and I know our viewers that tweet angrily at him. This gives them some ammo, so let's have at it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been with Matt almost every day for the past couple of years. So, I mean, I've got some stories, some that I won't share, some that I will. (laughs) Wisely. I know, like, this is the football podcast, so maybe his most embarrassing story is that he thought Trent Richardson was going to be really good. I know everybody always gives him hell over that, but, I mean, everybody thought Trent Richardson was just going to be the shit, and he wasn't. So Every single person. Yeah, I I won't give him a hard time for that one, but I will tell you, last summer we went camping and kayaking for the first time as a grown man (laughs) probably ever and we're kayaking we don't really know how deep the lake is and we're just going we're going and then you just hear oh shit me and our buddy dan we turn around and matt is just under he's gone we do not know where he is split second later we just see struggling swimming and i'm thinking oh this dude's about to drown what are we gonna do i don't know how i'm gonna help him i'm not gonna go in the water and pull him out dan can't either and then as soon as the oh shit like hit us, Matt stands up out of the water. Turns out we like were in feet. about three feet deep of water <laughs> and he was just struggling to swim. He said he was kicking roots. He thought he was going under and then boom, stands up. No problem right. at all. But the, just the look of fear and even in myself thinking, oh my God, is my brother about to die it, here in this lake? panic. No, it's like, uh, you know, that movie Men in Tights. When he thinks he's drowning, he's drowning, and he's only in about two <laughs> inches of water. That's how it went oh for Matt God. last summer. That is that is perfect, and that's a perfect way to do That's so good. I think um, one of the, my favorite Matt stories is uh, my first senior bowl ever. They used to have the practice out, the first practice to kick off the week about 40 minutes away at like a high school instead of Lad Peebles, the Peebles Stadium. And so you'd always have to drive out there, you know, however long and then come back to the stadium and watch the other team practice for the first day only. That's it. And uh, Matt had got, we were out at Veets the night before. Matt had gotten all kinds of banged up and, you know, we were all out of control and we wake up to go to the practice, and on the uh, apparently on the car ride over, I was in another car. I was with our camera guys, and and Matt was uh, like right behind us. He gets out of the car and looks at me when we get to this little high school field, and he's like, "Dude, we had to pull over. I, I just threw up everywhere <laughs> before the first senior bowl practice of the 
2016 or twenty yeah, 2016, I believe it was senior bowl. And then we're at practice and he's just running into everybody he knows, whether it's people on TV, <laughs> whether it's team guys, whether it's scouts. I was dying laughing. He looked so horrible. Yeah. He had on sun he had sunglasses on and it was it was cloudy out, so cloudy out that like there, he's the only dude with shades on. He just yacked like a college yeah. kid on the just side of the pale road. Gray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds about right. So I'll tell you, I got awesome. one more for you though. The, we used to live together. And one of the first times I ever saw Matt throw up because of drinking. We were young. I don't we'll say I was twenty one. I don't think I was. But <laughs> we had a house party. And we had just started like shotgunning beers and we were doing too many that we hadn't really done it before. So we're doing it. We're in the kitchen and Matt just gives me that. I'm going to throw up. Look, so I'm like, Hey, trash can, trash can. It's in the corner. So we have our trash can set up in the corner and he just barrels over. He gets to the trash can. He throws up everywhere. Nothing landed in the trash can. He threw up all over the (laughs) wall, completely missed the trash can. That is so brutal. God, just projectile vomit all over your own apartment. Yeah, yeah. What a nightmare. And of course, you all know, right. he didn't clean that up. Yeah, oh, hell no. <laughs> Nothing changes. That's awesome, though. Matt, we missed having you this week, buddy, but I think me and Marshall held it down. We had a good time. And uh, I know, Marshall, you got off season. well, not even off season, getting into camp now for you guys in the Midwest. But you're going to be back with us next week, right? Yeah, I'll be back next week. Who knows after that? I mean, like you said, we started our football camps I'm going to go home. I'm going to ice my shoulder because I've been throwing all morning. And I'm just, oh, God. just beat. I don't know how these kids can do it because I'm exhausted. Yeah, we were there at one point, but you know the days of being any kind of athlete are long over. Oh, so. long gone. <laughs> like I said, we'll be back next week. We're going to preview the AFC North. We're going to preview the NFC North. Keep sending us your draft on draft questions. Keep leaving iTunes reviews. Keep subscribing. One thing that I did throw out there on the timeline this weekend, I keep wanting to hear it. What's one thing you're hearing from your favorite team's training camp or preseason that has you extremely worried? Leave it in your iTunes review. We'll read it next week, no matter whether it's an AFC North, NFC North, or team or not. We'll read all of them. Please keep sending them. It was great having you this week, Marshall. Thanks for filling in, and thanks for always being here on Stick to Football. We'll catch you guys next week. Yep, thanks for having me. You guys take care. <laughs>